TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. As you just heard, I'm Ann Baldwin, one of the hosts of this program. And Lisa DeMattis-Lapore is also here with me virtually. You know, I miss that. I miss seeing your face. I miss our conversations. I miss our hugs. I do, uh, make too. Me- makes me sad, but at least the show can go on, right? The show must go on. The show must go on. You know, and uh, it's just been, it's been the year from hell for so many people, and uh, we, won't, we won't sit here and complain because hopefully we've got some good news to share with folks today, Lisa, on this program. You know, as everybody was, is well aware, um, the first COVID vaccines came into our state this week, and we're very excited so to have excited. Keith. Oh, it's it's just, you know, it was wall-to-wall media coverage and just fantastic. So with us today, we're so fortunate to have Keith Grant, who is a senior system, who is the senior system director of infection prevention at Hartford HealthCare and also an APRN. Uh, Keith, thank you for being on the program. There's so many questions that Lisa and I want to ask you, and we want to get a sense of everything that's happened this week. So thank you for taking time. I know it's busy over there for being on the program. Um, so why don't we start with, tell us what it's like. Tell us what was it like when you saw those first uh, COVID vaccines roll into Hartford Healthcare and Hartford Hospital? Yeah. Um, morning, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for having morning. me. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to state that there was a, you know, there was a moment of joy um, that uh, accumulated, like, every all moments of sadness we've had in the last few months especially you know the despair that we had in the first few weeks not entirely knowing you know how to approach this from a treatment perspective you know if you see or the number of patients we had um, while caring for patients in our critical care uh, unit it was clear that um, we had our challenges for treatment across across the country globally at least um, so this time we, we were picking up a package that had that's 95% effective um, in protecting individuals against the vaccine. So that that's pretty significant. So pure joy, uh, uh, significant hope, and uh, listening to the introduction you guys have, you know, pretty soon based on the vaccine, um, you'll be able to have your show again in in a in normal circumstance where you guys are having your hugs and you're doing it face to face. And that's the hope that this this package um, had in it. 
Well, so you've been on the front lines, I, I understand, uh, Keith, and you've, you've cared for those critically ill patients. Um, does this give those folks hope as well? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there is people who, you know, are critical care nurses, you know, are custodial folks, um, people who bring food to um, or patient, every individual across the system, you could see the difference in, you know, at this point in time, we do have something that you're at most at risk. We, we appreciate the effort you've put in place, but we'll be able to provide not just PPE, but, but vaccination. And from our patient perspective, you know, we know there's singular population, very vulnerable population. If you look at data for our nursing homes, some nursing homes with mortality rate upwards of 40 percent. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a significant hope. So in some areas, it's not just about the potential of getting back to social gathering and what life is like normal, but you're literally providing life-saving hope to, to many individuals and to entire communities. Well, and Lisa, you know, you, you just brought your, your elderly mother here, and I'm, I'm caring for an elderly father. And, and that's what I think about is just... Um, you know, those folks who have been fortunate to this point not to get COVID, but we just never know, right, Lisa? You just don't know. I mean, your no. mother's been tested repeatedly, and you live with that fear every day. I do. I live with the fear of that and, you know, difficult decisions. We have to be so vigilant now more than ever, right? And um, yep. because the numbers are just popping everywhere, and it just, I, I, you know, you wonder sometimes what is it going to take for people to realize that this is really life and death. And um, yep. it's been such a difficult year. It's just been really hard. It's just. Absolutely. And I think the, the, cra- the crazy thing about it is, you know, the things that we look forward to, right? So we look for a treatment from a medical community, from a science body, right? So we, we right. constantly look for treatment. So we move from, you know, having the majority of our patients in the critical care, getting critical care, um, getting intubated. So very quickly in this, you know, one of the big things were about the, you know, ventilation and ventilator care. Um, we move from that and we move from another process, but we're still losing a significant amount of patients. So from a clinical perspective, um, it was still very challenging. I've never, you know, it's so humbling because, you know, the infectious disease community and including myself, I don't think I've ever been in a moment where it was acceptable to say, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea how to address this patient. I have no idea what to tell you um, your next step should be. We'll do what we've been doing, but so far it doesn't seem to be to be working. And when you talk to other healthcare systems across the country, this is exactly it. So having this now level of, of hope um, exceptionally good but you know i have to say that the things that you we you you want to appreciate um that we want to appreciate through this and even when this is gone the collaborative effort that we've seen across the state with you know different health systems different regulatory bodies and there's different groups getting helping people through this absolutely exceptional so if any good comes out of this you know when this is all said and done like exceptional collaboration and you know very good um understanding of the needs uh, of what our fellow men were going through. So not too shabby. Not too shabby. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Keith Grant, who is an APRN and really has been on the front lines as a senior system director of infection pre- prevention at Hartford HealthCare. Keith, you know, one of the things, and we talk about social media, and let's talk about mainstream media in general. And I'd like to hear it right from you, because there is a lot of 
back and forth or people have, you know, different views on whether they will get the vaccine when it's available or whether they won't. From someone who's been there and seen it and seen people lose their lives to COVID, what do you say to people when they say, I don't or I don't think I'm going to get the vaccine? What's your message? So, you know, if you said to any of us that there's a vaccine, it's available, go get it. And when you think about like all the political scripting around it, the next step I would say to anyone is go out and get informed. So, you know, one of the things and one of, I was fortunate to be a part of the governor scientific advisory group. And that basically forced me and my team to be involved in every process of as soon as information comes out, getting the information and scripting and going through multitude of pages of information and appreciating the science behind it. And um, hence, one of the primary reasons why I was very comfortable with being one of the first person to step forward and say, I'll get the vaccine. Um, because when you look at the safety profile of the vaccine, exceptional. If you look at the efficacy of the vaccine, you're looking at a vaccine that's significantly better than the vaccine that we're comfortable with taking every single year, which is the influenza vaccine. That has helped significantly with reducing mortality and preventing the spread of, um, of influenza. So when you look at the, the broad spectrum of it, it was a very easy decision, but it needed to be informed. And that's one of the things I keep saying to individuals. Please go out and get informed. The data is online. You know, go review the process. And, and the skepticism is not just from, you know, our laypersons. I have healthcare providers that would reach out to me. And, you know, it's funny because I have people who are reaching out to me just to see how I'm doing because they're basing, they're basing whether or not they're taking the vaccine based on that. So I have friends that are, are plotting on grass right now saying, well, it's been two days and he, he hasn't grown an extra leg. Um, so, <laughs> so I would say just get informed, um, get informed, stay informed. And when you think you get it uh, and you decide to make the decision either way, um, I think that's the opportunity for you to start getting other people informed as well. Right. If you have a good experience and, you know, people want to see, people want to see the results. But then there's yep. a shot, too. So you haven't had shot two yet, right? I haven't had shot two yet. So at this point in time, not having shot two, um, you know, we know shot two provides a 95%. Um, the, it's hard to really use shot one. Um, the period, a break point with shot one, but break point, I think, after seven days, had some significant increase in antibodies. So I still have some level of protection very soon, but after shot two, I should be good. So um, it, does that pose a, a bit of a logistical problem? It's kind of like the shingle shot, right? You've got to get two different doses within a certain period of time. Um, that's, I guess, just how the antibodies work. Or can you explain why that's a necessity? And do you think it will ever get down to a, a one-shot deal? Um, so, you know, it's, that's, a, that's a very good question. So a few things that we can think about in it. It's one's like almost a booster, um, you're basically going back and, you know, um, allowing the system to make some more antibodies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one way that I've been, I've looked at it, and this is not conclusive from Pfizer, any statement from Moderna uh, or Pfizer, is the fact that instead of giving a certain level or uh, dosage, you're able to give, not like there's any question about safety for any dosage at this point, but you're able to give um, half the dose first and then you move on to the second. That's one way to look at it. Um, the other way to look at it um, is that I have no real idea, and this is how the studies have uh, shown to be effective, and we're grateful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, who's at Hartford HealthCare within your system? 
how many shots have been given? Are you guys out now, or are the doses continuing to arrive at your facility? Uh, we'll start. We'll get a few more dosage um, with actually way more than a few more dosage within the next um, few days uh, or process. I think the logistical piece that you spoke of, I think that is not just with the first dose, not just with the second dose, with the first dose, you know, it's definitely still challenging getting stuff to and from. Remember, the Pfizer vaccine requires significant um, extreme temperatures. It's negative 60 to negative 80 for storage. Um, so working out those level of logistics. So we're, we're, we're not even halfway through our allotment, um, but uh, we're getting a lot of people interested, and that's, a, that's the exciting piece of it. Right. So Lisa, who obviously is part of this program, uh, runs a nonprofit agency and, you know, so many different programs within that dealing with mm-hmm. with various kinds of patients, Lisa, and I'll let you speak to that. So when do you think, like, the nonprofits and, and the folks, like, that work at the Connection, because you've done that at Hartford Healthcare and Hartford Hospital, right. where you said, mm-hmm. you said not just the nurses, not just the doctors, but anybody who's exposed to those mm-hmm. patient rooms comes first. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the gravity of it all, like we still we have millions of people within Connecticut that we hope needs to be vaccinated. At this point, we don't have millions off vaccines. Um, and I think, you know, there's good and bad in that. I think the good in that, it gives us some time to, to get our systems get running, up and running. Uh, but within the next few months, we'll be, I, I assume we'll be in a position that we will have a supply that will, you know, come very close to matching the demand that that from people who are willing to get the vaccine. Keith, I have another question, because these vaccines, from what I understand, are free, right? That's correct. So who's who's footing the bill for this? That might be a stupid <laughs> question, but I, I'd like to hear, you know, I've heard all kinds of things, but who who's paying for this? Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it's the federal government who is funding this whole process. Um, I, I know it's it is indeed free, and um, I know there's been obviously significant funding that went into the process of expediting the development of the vaccine. Now we're also expecting another version of the vaccine, correct? And is that going to help things? And what kind of confidence do you have in that? Um, so the Moderna vaccine is 94.1 percent effective. It is easier to manage in that you are able to store it at normal freezer temperature. So, you know, working when when you consider the potential of having um, smaller institutions or your healthcare providers um, being able to vaccinate their population of patients and community members, um, this probably is the vaccine that you'd more likely use, right? Because mm-hmm. to expect a normal doctor's office to uh, front the bill to put a uh, refrigerator together that's going to be negative 60 to negative 80 that you probably will never use again, right? Um, right. Versus a Moderna vaccine. So uh, safety profile is very similar to the uh, Pfizer vaccine. The technology, the mRNA technology is very similar as well. Um, so, you know, I'm very, very excited. I think the initial allotment from that vaccine um, should be pretty significant, at least what we're hearing right now. Uh, so that should help to complement or or what we have now, and we'll be able to hopefully, within those two allotments, get to a very good level with uh, vaccinating our colleagues. Tell us, please, what we can look forward to in 2021. <laughs> I know that yeah, we won't hold you to it. Come on. 
<laughs> so this this is the thing that I'm excited about. So I'll tell you what I'm excited about from a nerdy perspective, and then I'll go into um, something that less nerdy. So if this ever happens again, we now have a technology that gives us the ability that what I believe, and I think that a lot of this you know, science community, commu- um, community um, agrees with, that we're able to pivot really quickly. So if this happens again, we'll be able to get to a vaccine state much quicker. That's one. So that's a huge um, bundle of hope, right? The other step, the next step is the fact that, you know, get, having the vaccine available and having the ability and now the logistics of actually administering the vaccine, you're right, significant amount of things that we've been able to, we've, we've missed out on graduation. Um, I think some of the saddest things for me is people um, having family members pass away in the hospitals yeah. and not be able to be Alone. there. Um, Alone. Yeah. Exactly. Hospitals having, needing to, make decisions to prevent visitors from coming in, separating families from the actual mm-hmm. healing process, um, people passing away and, and going to, there's funerals with, you know, a restriction to how many people can be there. So, you know, in the saddest of moment to the weddings that had to be canceled, um, um, birth, childbirth that had a single person within the room, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you look across the spectrum, there's significant impact that this vaccine, the efforts that we will put in and maintaining, um, you know, universal masking over the next few weeks, uh, or discipline, the things that will get us to a significantly better place. And what that better place, I think, will look like is a much better place than we were before, because we do have hope based on the technology we have now for vaccine. We do have the essence of the collaborative efforts that we've used over the last few months to keep us alive. And I think although although this has kept us so much apart, I really do believe that um, the efforts um, that this pandemic has has forced us to do has gotten us, will get us significantly closer in the the future. Well, you know, and Keith, you really put this in perspective, and I want to thank you for that, because I personally want to, I feel selfish here I am talking about, you know, my daughter couldn't get married or, you know, uh, couldn't have my dad over for dinner. But you've been on the front line seeing people pass away alone. You've seen the reality of this COVID-19, and um, I haven't seen that, you know. So I'm really fortunate. And you put just put things into perspective for me is because I can't imagine. I can't imagine the lives lost. I can't imagine what so many people have gone through. You know, Lisa, we see it on social media, people that we know who've lost loved ones to COVID. Um, it's just, it's uh, horrific. Mm-hmm. Mm. The fear, though, the fear yep. of that happening is so real, though. And yep. um, we're not out of the woods yet. And I think that that is not to, I'm not being negative, but I'm saying that it's just as severe as it always has been. Absolutely. And that message needs to get out and get clear. And just because you're getting um, a vaccine doesn't mean mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you can, you can lax on, you know, um, CDC guidelines or PPE or do anything because we still have a long way to go. And I, 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 I just want people to understand that, you know, in general, because it just, it scares me. It just, worries me. We're not out of the woods yet. We see the light at the end of the tunnel, right, which is great, Absolutely. but we're not there yet. We're not yep. there yet. We're going to get there, but we still have a long haul to go. What do, how, if, you, if I were to ask you, because I've heard this on the news and media, et cetera, time frame, is it <laughs> fair to say that 
uh, not until maybe September? I mean, realistically. I think August into September, we should see a different plan. Okay. You know, when this started, I, I, one of the things that I said, like, I've, made a list of people like within my family and close around that I think are highest risk if they get this disease, their chances of survival would be very limited, very low. And from and within that list, one person passed away, very sadly. And um, there's one one person that I think is top on my list still, who is my 88-year-old grandmother. And like whenever I go visit her from afar, like I will communicate with her the fact that you know, as soon as I got a vaccine, I went over and, you know, very socially distancing, having a discussion with her in that we still got to wait a few more months, right? We still, you still have to, no one still get to come over, you know, you still, but at the same time, to be, to having, to have that visceral, that level of discussion, very, very scary. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping by August, September, um, we'll see some differences. We'll be able to change some rules. Um, that will, you know, improve um, our socialization and our communication. But um, let's and see. our businesses, you know, these you, there's everybody's Absolutely. talking about the restaurants. I mean, but so many, so many industries and so many businesses are suffering. The economic impact of this is just it's been devastating. Uh, it's been Absolutely. devastating to people's lives. So, you know, like you said, and Lisa, you bring up a good point. This isn't the time to to let your guard down. This is the time to stay vigilant, do what you got to do, and, and hopefully people like Keith Grant won't be seeing more people in their critical care COVID unit because somebody else didn't do what they were supposed to. I mean, you know, everybody, you got to be sensitive to the people out there that are, you know, you've got people with pre-existing conditions, you've got people with reduced immunity, you've got all of these folks out there, and just your average person. And it's just a selfish thing not to be, not to be careful, not to be cautious, and let's get through this damn thing so that hopefully... Absolutely. We can just, you know, I'm going to take that great big sharpie and black out damn 2020 because it sucks for everybody. <laughs> I think we can say that. That's very fair. So we just have about a minute left. Um, Keith Grant, I got to tell you, um, you're you've been one of my favorite guests on the show, and we've been doing it a long time. I really appreciate your your mm-hmm. information. I do. Yeah, and your candor, and, and just you know, realistically sharing with us from your perspective what you've seen and, and what you continue to see. So what's your best piece of advice for people in about a minute or 30 seconds, if you can do that? You know, the what happens in the hospital and in the healthcare systems across the country, not just at Hartford Healthcare, if you get sick, we're, we will ensure that the best care is brought forward. We'll ensure that if it gets to a point that we need to communicate with your family and things aren't going well, they're getting supported as well. Um, mm-hmm. And now, now that we do have a vaccination, we'll make sure that it's available when, whenever we can to the community. But before we get to that point, one of the things that have worked and continue to work, uh, not just in the state of Connecticut, not just in this country, but across the world, is some very simple things. So, you know, social distancing, physical distancing, identify the people within your household that are highest risk, within your community are highest risk, communicate with them um, safely uh, about the right things to do. Uh, ensure that you're wearing your mask, the universal masking, as much as possible. And one of the most important mm-hmm. things, I do believe still, if you have any form of symptoms, just stay away, get tested. You know, remember, a test is a snapshot in time, but get tested as soon as possible and um, just be safe. Keith, your passion just comes shining through, and I'd like to um, invite you back um, back on the show and in a couple of months so that we can talk to you and 
can get an update about where we are in Connecticut and how things are going. Um, Absolutely. But I'm just so so grateful for your commitment and your passion, as Ann said, and all that you're doing. Thank you. I, I just couldn't be more grateful for for the work you're doing. So on behalf of my agency and my staff, I, I know that um, they're going to be um, really grateful to hear this show um, today. Absolutely. Good, good, good. You guys have a good, good day. Well, well, we're not done yet. I got to say an official goodbye, Keith Grant. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great information, and I hope that our listeners appreciate it. And uh, as usual, thank you to Keith Grant, Director of Infection Prevention, and to the entire Hartford Healthcare System. Um, you all do an amazing job, and and truly do appreciate everything that you're doing for all of us. And of course, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this edition of the Connection right here on WTIC News Talk. the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.